Now, from the Mousecapade Studios, here are your hosts. Happy Friday, Mousecapades listeners. This is Kaylee, and I'm here with Joey, and we are glad you're joining us. This is episode 541, and you are listening to the number one podcast that entertains that space between your ears, the Mousecapades podcast. Today, we're going to be discussing Marvel films in the MCU. But before we begin, we want to remind you that the Mousecapades podcast is part of the Your Story Travel Company. At Your Story Travel Company, we can plan a magical trip for you on any budget. Before we get started, I want to give a massive shout out here. This is a uh, big spoiler alerts for any of the MCU movies. So if you have not seen any of the Marvel movies from Iron Man to Spider-Man Far From Home. Don't watch if you want to not get spoiled. So. Don't listen. Oh, you know. <laughs> Just in case. Also, close your eyes. <laughs> Please don't close your eyes if you're driving. So, yes, if there are any films, all of them or any in between from Iron Man all the way up to Spider-Man Far From Home that you have not seen and plan on seeing, please don't listen. We don't want to ruin your fun. (laughs) So let's get into this. We're going to start off with the first movie, Iron Man. This movie came out in 2008, which honestly, it doesn't seem that long ago, like 12 years for a film to be 12 years old doesn't seem old. But when you watch it, like there's some you can tell between scenes that are they look like they're straight out of like a PowerPoint presentation from 2007 or something. Yeah, but this film is the start of the Marvel universe as we all know it now, and it was the introduction of Robert Downey Jr.'s iconic Iron Man. I don't think I could see anyone else playing that role anymore. Like honestly, there are some characters no. In the MCU, that I could see other people playing. Like, I think uh, Spider-Man, they got a very good person, but I could see someone else playing him. But Tony Stark is the only person I could see him as Robert Downey Jr. In this film, Iron Man, Tony Stark, genius, billionaire, playboy, philanthropist, son of legendary inventor and weapons contractor Howard Stark. He is assigned to give a weapons presentation to an Iraqi-led unit by Lieutenant Colonel James Rhodes. He's given a ride on enemy lines. That ride ends badly when Stark's Humvee that he's riding in is attacked by enemy combatants. He survives barely with a chest full of shrapnel and a car battery attached to his heart. In order to survive, he comes up with a way to miniaturize the battery and figures out that the battery can power something else. Thus, Iron Man is born. He uses the primitive device to escape from the cave in Iraq. Once back home, he then begins work on perfecting the Iron Man suit. But the man who was put in charge of Stark Industries has plans of his own to take over Tony's technology for other matters. Jeff Bridges, the bad guy. (laughs) I don't think there was a movie in the MCU that you called the villain as quickly as in Iron Man. Yeah, it was easy to call Jeff Bridges, I think, just because of who he is. Yeah, it's... It was a pretty obvious villain there, especially once you get like halfway in, they just start showing very interesting shots of him. So kind of my final thoughts on this movie was I was not sure about doing this Marvel marathon that Joey and I had, which is literally when I listened, I watched all these for the first time since quarantine began and a span of about a month, Joey planned it all out for me to watch them all. And I'm not somebody who's typically into superhero movies, but this was very good. I will say... If you're kind of like me and you're not into superhero movies, typically the beginning seems kind of 
like it's going to lose you. Slow. It's slow at the beginning, but it picks up really fast and then it gets super interesting and you don't want to stop watching. Speaking of movies you don't want to stop watching, going on to the second movie that neither of us have seen, The Incredible Hulk from 2008. I'll go ahead and read the synopsis for this just because we have never seen it, so we can't speak to its plot. Depicting the events after the Gamma Bomb, The Incredible Hulk tells the story of Dr. Bruce Banner, who seeks a cure to his unique condition, which causes him to turn into a giant green monster under emotional stress. Whilst on the run from military, which seeks his capture, Banner comes close to a cure. But all is lost when a new creature emerges, the Abomination. And I've never even read a plot summary of this movie, and it really does. It's just exactly what I expected. It's... it's the origin story of the Hulk. And I started watching the movie. I found out there were no returning characters other than the Hulk. And the Hulk was not played by Mark Ruffalo. And I I lost interest pretty quick after that. So I, I didn't finish that. I think I got 10 minutes into this movie and I, I, I gave up on it. I don't know if we mentioned this, listeners, but this also came out in 2008. And I think especially in the same year as Iron Man, which was such a good movie, I think this really would have flopped. It had some pretty big competition. And this came out, I think, like maybe three months after Iron Man. Yeah. So it had some very steep competition there. So pretty much as long as you know that Dr. Bruce Banner and the Hulk are different people and that when he becomes the Hulk, he does not control what he's doing. The Hulk is a separate entity you've pretty much you understand his character all the way around and you can pick up on that pretty quick in the movies there they have separate memories like they turn into one another but they don't they're not the same person exactly moving on to iron man 2 2010 this movie was not as good as the first i would definitely say this was this was definitely when it started to slow down it was hard to get kaylee through this movie because we went straight from iron man to iron man 2 and this one was not nearly as good I will say it's worth watching because I think Robert Downey Jr. playing this role is great. Even if the movie is not that great, he plays that character so well and embodies it that I still enjoyed watching it, even though the plot itself was not as interesting as the first one. But hey, you get to see Elon Musk, so that's fun. True. And I can't really pinpoint why exactly this movie feels less than the original, but it just it doesn't hit home the same way as the first movie does for me. Which I agree. I think the same thing. Maybe because the first Iron Man is, it's the introduction to one of the biggest and most popular of like superheroes in the MCU. And so I think having the second one back to back can kind of be hard to live up to. Yeah, it was just, it was pretty slow. Moving on to the year 2011, Thor was introduced for the first time, which I was pumped for this just because I like... The Hemsworth. <laughs> I like the Hemsworths. Yeah, previous to this movie, I think your only exposure to Thor was in The Adventures of Babysitting, the movie. Really? That little girl that's obsessed <gasps> with him. You are correct, yes. Um, if the listeners know that movie, Adventures in Babysitting, the little girl in that movie is obsessed with Thor. And so, yeah, that's the only time I'd heard his name. You, you had no idea what myth, like what mythology he was from. And I wasn't exactly sure where, but I knew the general story. I believe it is Norse mythology, so... I am sure I wasn't the only one that didn't know anything about Thor before Chris Hemsworth embodied the character. So I'm just going to read a little bit about the storyline. The warrior Thor is cast out of the fantastic realm of Asgard by his father Odin for his arrogance and sent to Earth to live amongst humans. Falling in love with scientist Jane Foster teaches Thor much needed lessons and his newfound strength comes into play as a villain from his homeland sends dark forces toward Earth. Loki. 
He was low key the bad guy. <laughs> I mean, you're right. Bringing these puns back, I remember we did this every every movie we would have a pun about Loki's name. Very true. This movie was kind of it was pretty. It was a bit odd to get you into at the beginning because you had a lot of questions, not just about the mythology background, but like even stuff that was being showed on screen. It was some of the stuff at the beginning is kind of confusing. It really is, and I will say, hopefully, if you're listening to this, you've seen it. Um, if not, and you're just like, I don't want to watch the movies, I'm just gonna listen to them talk about it. That's cool too. It is very hard to follow at the beginning. Once the action stuff starts, it's easy. It's kind of easy to get if you're not careful like the when odin puts the charm on the hammer right when he exiles thor he like whispers it and it if you're not paying and he does it in less than five seconds so if you like zone out for even a moment you miss that whole thing that only thor can lift the hammer or only someone who is worthy of the power of thor can lift the hammer and i think the i think the thor movies are some of my favorite because of the the banter between Loki and Thor. It's hilarious. Loki's just an amazing character because he was made to be god of mischief. That's his whole purpose. Yes, and Tom Hiddleston plays his character so well. That's another character for me that I don't think anybody else could do it. Tom Hiddleston is Loki. Yeah, I can't I don't think I could see many other people being I think there could probably be someone for me that could do Loki, but I'm not sure who. I'd have to find that out for you guys. Moving on to Captain America, the first Avenger from 2011. This is honestly one of my favorite, one of my favorite all-time MCU movies. Just because this is like, I love the character. I love the origin story. Everything about this movie is amazing to me. I just remember you prefacing us watching it. You were like, the CGI is bad, but get over it kind of thing. Yeah, no, small Steve Rogers before he gets strong is, is pretty rough. Yes. And like, I think this movie, I liked it. And I knew Captain America was such an important person in the MCU. So I knew I needed to really pay attention. But some of some parts of this movie, I don't know. They lost me. Especially when we start falling into like the German scientist sections when they're just talking. I was like, hey, this is important. The, the artist's palette is all red. And he's painting a portrait of the villain. Why would he need only red? <laughs> and so we had to jump back a lot of times because some of those... It gets pretty slow sometimes, but if you know what's coming, it's actually pretty interesting. Yeah, I think it definitely is one of those movies that if I were to watch it again, I think I'd catch more and I'd understand more than the first time. It jumps back to World War II, and the the Americans are looking for a solution to turning the tide on the war, and they want to make super soldiers, and they test this out on a very small man from Brooklyn. It ends up working, and he gets extremely buff, but due to a strange set of circumstances and spies in infiltrating the labs, all of the materials used to turn him into this super soldier is now gone, and the creator is killed. So he's going to be the only one, and he ends up helping out the war, and they are going up against not just Nazi Germany, but Hydra, which is an advanced weapons department within Nazi Germany. At the end of the movie, they realize that their ambitions are greater than Nazi Germany had and they had outlived their stay yes it very much is it's almost it kind of makes me laugh because it's one of those things where i always look i'm the kind of person that looks at the not main characters sometimes so all the innocent civilians or just the americans and nazis that were fighting and they're like we're just fighting a war and then you have all these evil people who are like i'm going to murder everyone on earth Mm-hmm. And so it just kind of makes me laugh. But <laughs> none of that's funny, but it's just like some people just think they're fighting a war when both sides are like, nah, bruh, shoot higher, aim higher. 2012, The Avengers came out. This was 
the first time I remember hearing about the Marvel Universe in the present time that it came out. I remember I saw this movie in theaters with Dad, and I, I distinctly remember a scene at the very end where they they tell Bruce Banner that they need him to get angry to get the Hulk out. And he goes, that's my secret, Cap. I'm always angry. And that's the only scene I remember from the entire movie the first time I saw it. And that it, it did end up becoming a big meme later on, but I've had very, I had very vivid, vivid memories of that scene specifically. That's very true, and I don't think we mentioned this earlier, but Black Widow is actually in introduced in Iron Man, the original... Iron Man 2. Oh. As a boxing buddy, I think. Yes. Not as a boxing buddy, but as an agent to help out with Tony Stark. Yes. And she is introduced in a very nonchalant way, unlike all the other ones that kind of had movies named after them to introduce them. And then she's just... They're like, we're just going to slide her in here. They also do this with Hawkeye, but that's just kind of his character. Like, Black Widow is like a very highly esteemed character in the Avengers. And by 2012, Hawkeye specifically was like... He was introduced with the same way that Black Widow was, but it was more of a joke for Hawkeye because he they seemed to he seemed to be an unappreciated character so far. He was introduced the same nonchalant way in Thor. He guarded the hammer once it fell down to Earth, and he was watching Thor take out a bunch of agents. Yes, very hilarious. The synopsis for the Avengers: Nick Fury is the director of Shield, an international peacekeeping agency. The agency is a who's who of Marvel superheroes, with Iron Man, the Incredible Hulk, Thor, Captain America, Hawkeye. And Black Widow. When global security is threatened by Loki and his cohorts, Nick Fury and his team will need all their powers to save the world from disaster, which is formed by Loki and his team. And I remember you saying to me when we watched this, you were like, This is when the Avengers was small because the team starts out relatively small compared to what it grows to. Because we were watching the movies before the Avengers and you were just like, How many more are there? I'm like, this is Just so, you wait. I'm like, This is, there's six of them. It's going to be pretty easy to keep track of these. Get, wait till we get later on we start getting some names that aren't even in english so these are the originals and i think this is one of my favorite movies of all of the marvel movies i think it has a lot more rewatchability than some of the older movies yes and my favorite line from the whole thing is puny god yes from mark ruffalo's Mark Ruffalo just picks up Loki and just starts bashing him on the floor and ends and just puny God. And that's all he has to say about it. Yes. It's just one of those one of those moments in the film that's funny, but also it just, very it shows off the power of the whole. It like does. He, he really is something else because he's just a human that's been exposed to gamma radiation and he's going up against the gods. Exactly. And he doesn't really even need to try to win. He just does. Moving on to Iron Man 3 from 2013. I think the first Iron Man movie was easier to follow than the sequels, but this one was definitely wild considering it had a fake terrorist in it. Yeah, and it was it was pretty interesting. This was another one of the movies where you found the villain real quick because it was you saw him and you were like, hey, he was the bad guy in bedtime stories. And then you were like, oh, he's going to be the bad guy in this movie, too, because he was like the ex-girlfriend or the ex-boyfriend of, I think, Pepper, maybe. Or no, he was a he was an old inventor for Stark. That and, Stark just ignored and Stark ignored him because Tony Stark. But he I think it was very plainly made clear that he was going they, to be the bad guy. Trying to hide it. it was like a revenge story they tell you in kind of the first 10-15 minutes but there was they did really throw us off with that terrorist plot line 
Yes, and I they, will and they say. they end up finding out that this terrorist is just a guy from California. He's an actor and he's portraying a terrorist. Yes, I always, I will say the one villain is easy to guess, but then you kind of just think this one's on the side. But it turns, it, it turns out it is all connected. It's all connected, which that's kind of the plot twist for me, which I actually appreciate that the villain was easy to find, but then there was a different twist instead of we have to find out who the villain is. Yeah. It was more of a twist in like this villain is capable of way more than most people thought. Moving on to Thor The Dark World from 2013. This is another one of the few movies that me and Kaylee have not seen simply because I was told that this movie was not good at all. Sorry for any viewers out there that thought it was really good. I'm not out here hating on it. I'm just... I have not seen it. I have not seen it either. And I will be honest, we were doing this marathon style. So I was like, if we're cutting a movie out, that is okay with me. Yeah. And after the first Thor movie, the first Thor movie, I liked it and I've watched it twice. I don't know if I'm going to watch the first one again. Yeah. The rewatchability on the first Thor was not very good. And and someone said that that was not the worst one. I was kind of scared to watch Dark World. So I just, I didn't. Well, since neither of us have any idea really what's in this, I'm going to read the synopsis for the listeners. Thousands of years ago, a race of beings known as Dark Elves tried to send the universe into darkness by using a weapon known as the Aether. The Aether? Aether. It's spelled Aether. I believe it's pronounced Aether. As the Aether. Warriors from Asgard stopped them, but their leader, Malekith, escaped to wait for another opportunity. The warriors find the Aether, and since it cannot be destroyed, they try to hide it. In the present day, Jane Foster awaits the return of Thor, although it has been two years since they last saw one another. In the meantime, Thor has been trying to bring peace to the Nine Realms. Jane discovers an anomaly similar to the one that brought Thor to Earth. She goes to investigate, finds a wormhole, and is sucked into it. Back on Asgard, Thor wishes to return to Earth, but his father Odin refuses to let him. Thor learns from Heimdall, who can see into all of the realms that Jane disappeared. Thor then returns to Earth just as Jane reappears. However, when some policemen try to arrest her, an unknown energy repulses them. Thor then brings Jane to Asgard to find out what happened to her. When the energy is released again, they discover that when Jane disappeared, she crossed paths with the ether and it entered her. Malekith, upon sensing that the time to strike is now, seeks out the Aether. He attacks Asgard and Thor's mother, Frigga, is killed protecting Jane. Odin wants to keep Jane on Asgard so that Malekith will come. Thor disagrees with his plan, so with his cohorts, he decides to take Jane away. He enlists the aid of his brother, Loki, and unfortunately, Loki's motivations remain unknown. That is a lot of plot going on, and I most of what I remember about this, when I was told the summary, someone said that basically all I need to know is that something ends up happening with the reality stone which i believe at some point was the ether and it turned into the reality stone and that was the only important part that i needed to know and then in a later movie they end up summarizing a lot of that movie because they knew a lot of people did not watch thor the dark world and they knew a lot of the plot points would be important Moving on to Captain America, The Winter Soldier. This is another movie that was pretty slow. I think this one was very good. I just, this was definitely the point in the marathon where we started to slow down because we had watched a lot of these great movies from early on and then we had a lot of slower movies one after another and The Winter Soldier is good, but it is another very slow movie. I will say this was one of the movies where I was not able to guess the character that is the The winter soldier and i was trying for so long to figure it out but then when uh it's finally revealed i was like what (laughs) yeah no because they really did show an on-screen death and then they were like haha just kidding he's not dead it's kind of like a soap opera death 
And it made sense with Steve Rogers because he had like superhuman abilities from them injecting stuff into him. So when he was frozen, it made so way more he, sense. When he froze and then went 70 years into the future, it made sense. But this this guy was just a normal soldier. And then they put something in him to make him stronger after he fell off a cliff of a moving train. Yeah, it it seemed very unlikely. I and, mean, it was a it was a killer comeback for a character. His face was so unrecognizable to me because I was not I didn't he didn't have much screen time in the first movie. Yeah, you're and right. I was I knew him by his generic look and his hairstyle was a big part of that and then he showed up with long hair in this in this movie and I did not know who he was. Yeah. I had no clue. It was very hard to figure out. I didn't even know till you told me even when his face was revealed. You had to tell me the character, and I yeah, went, oh. You're like, oh, it is him. And that was even after, I can only imagine after people watched these in the theaters, after they actually came out one after the other, because I struggled after we literally were watching yeah. these in days. Because with some of these people, they like they haven't seen, some of them like don't buy the movie. Some of them haven't seen these movies. They've only seen them once, and they've seen them in theaters when they came out. So like for some of these people, the last time they saw this character was in 2011. And it, like we said, they had very minimal screen time. Yeah, and I actually enjoyed this movie, but it wasn't my favorite. But I don't think it was one of the bad ones either. Yeah, no, this one was definitely well-written, but it's underrated simply because it's another slow-moving movie. I agree. Guardians of the Galaxy 2014, and this was actually a movie that we saw in theaters when it came out, and it was on accident, actually, if you remember our circumstances. I do not remember this one. We actually went with friends, and we had planned to go see something else and was it rated r it was rated r and they called me on being too young and they wouldn't let us buy tickets for people that weren't with us uh, even though we were old enough to buy the tickets and so we had just bought tickets for the ninja turtles movie hmm. but then we figured out we were walking past the guardians of the galaxy theater and we were like i guess we'll go sit in this one because this seems more interesting yeah, it was like i think it was 11 30 or something like that it was really started. late so it wasn't like we stole someone's spot in the theater there we were one of i think three groups that were watching that movie at the time and so i remember watching it i started falling asleep at the end but this movie i really enjoyed watching because you didn't really have to know that much prior you could watch it and still enjoy it like there's there's a couple scenes where like it doesn't really make sense if you don't know what's going on but at the same time it like it it works there's like a scene with thanos sitting in his chair but other than that you you pretty much pick it up from that scene that he is controlling the villain of this movie exactly and i'm sure the listeners are very familiar with guardians of the galaxy because that is a ride being built it's kind of on hiatus right now but in epcot they will be getting their own ride so i'm sure this movie will resurge with popularity Oh yeah, and and this is one of the great. This is one of the rewatchable ones simply because the comedy in it is really good. It is very funny. It's easy to watch because it's funny and there's action, but it's never too serious. It's always broken down a little bit. Like it takes itself seriously, but at the same time, they can still be funny with everything they do. Moving on to Avengers: Age of Ultron from 2015. This one was not one of my favorites because the first time I saw this, I believe I, I was also watching it in a marathon, but it wasn't the marathon with Kaylee. I was watching I was trying to watch as many as I could before Endgame came out so it was about four in the morning one Saturday morning and I was I, that's when I started this movie so I believe I fell asleep at one point in the middle of it and I was very confused 
but watching it that second time through it was very interesting to see how the plot unfolded and just see what i missed it is very interesting i will say the the scene that is memorable for me from this movie is when all the avengers are sitting around thor's hammer and he pretty much dares them to try and pick it up yep and i believe it's captain america captain america who the hammer kind of shakes. shakes a little when he picks it up and you just see thor's face kind of drop for really a second nervous and then all of a sudden like captain america gives up and then he's kind of like oh yeah of course you can't do it yeah, no, you could, I, I was i was never never doubted the fact that you wouldn't be able to lift it so i mean honestly i think just because as i stated at the beginning i'm not typically an action fan but i remember the comedy just because it's lasting for me i really like black widow natasha's remark when they go you want to give it a shot and she goes that's not a question i need answered yeah i it's I'm, like a lot of those responses were very in character you're right and it's it just makes it that much better when you know that the actors know their character so well that they can respond in a way their character would, but you know in a way it's kind of coming from the actor themselves. Yeah. That just makes it even better. So let me read a little bit about Avengers Age of Ultron just because, Joey, as you said, it was so interesting and I feel that this summary will kind of explain why. Tony Stark creates the Ultron program to protect the world. But when the peacekeeping program becomes hostile, the Avengers go into action to try and defeat a virtually impossible enemy together. Earth's mightiest heroes must come together once again to protect the world from global extinction. And this movie is when a few more Avengers join the mix. And I remember at this point, like, I, when I first heard Ultron talk the second time, I realized I knew his voice from somewhere. It's a very iconic voice. Once you know it, you won't unhear it. He, he only plays a couple roles that I know of. One of them was in The Office. But I, it's just his voice is... I heard it like I even from across the room I could have heard it and said that's Robert California. I know that I know that voice anywhere. He's the bad boy teenager in Pretty in Pink for any of you uh, fans yes. out there. That's where I knew him from. But yeah, I just thought it kind of scared me about the technology. I felt it was a little relevant, especially I know 2015 was only five years ago, but that's just so relevant that technology could get so smart. It's also mentioned in Wally, -E, like it's so smart it could overrun us. Even Incredibles. Yeah. Because they say at the beginning that the machines got too smart to take orders, which is of course a lie until the end of the movie, and then exactly that happens. Yeah. So essentially, it's it's almost fulfilling. I know some people have legitimate fears about that. Well, I mean, he even creates it on he he creates it specifically to protect the world, and then it takes that to mean well. If we get rid of humans then the world will be fine yeah so it's doing its job too but, well but it's we, we they forgot to give it the constraints necessary this is the movie that actually introduces the twins and vision and sadly it introduces the twins and at the end of the movie there's only one twin left because we don't get to see the fast one too long i don't even know his name i don't either i can't think about it but he's Probably just flash i just remember he's speedy no. <laughs> um but the other one is wanda wanda and she's practically a witch i remember you telling she's me the scarlet witch that's yes. her superhero name we don't I, I don't think we've heard that name in a marvel movie yet we've only heard her as wanda so far yeah that is kind of wild that we all know what she can do but she's just known as wanda she is one of the highest powered of, like if you were to talk about the strongest avengers tony stark is extremely powerful but i wouldn't consider him up there at the top i would say her and the hulk, hulk are kind of her thor and maybe captain marvel but at that point at this point we don't have her yet yeah but wanda has extremely high like just how powerful she actually is 
Well, listeners, since there are so many movies in the MCU, we are actually going to stop here and we will release part two next Friday. So we hope you join us for that. We would like to thank you for listening to us share our thoughts on the first half of the Marvel films, and we hope you found them entertaining. If you are interested in being a guest on our show or you have a question or comment, email us at mousecapadespodcast at gmail.com. Or if you would like to book a trip or just want a free quote, text us at 636-373-4497 or contact us at vicky, V-I-C-K-I-E dot black at yourstorytravel.com. You can check us out on our social media accounts, yourstorytravel.com, our Facebook page, The Mousecapades Podcast, and our Twitter account, at Mousecapades Pod. Be sure to listen to Wednesday's show as we dish the latest rumors and news. As always, thanks for listening to the number one podcast that entertains that space between your ears, The Mousecapades Podcast. Well, Joey, I think it's about that time. Pixie dust. And no capes. Have Have a magical magical day, day, my friends. friends.